God. Give yourselves a hand. You got out of bed today. Come on. Come on. You got out of bed this morning. I'm so glad you got out of bed this morning and you came to the Refuge Church. Thank you for being here. We do not take it very lightly uh, for, um, for you being here. It is, it is a joy to have you this morning. Because you could be looking at maple trees this morning, and you're here, and I'm so glad um, that you're not drinking maple syrup, and that you're here with us. Uh, let me tell you, Maine Maple Sunday is a big deal. Last year, uh, we had just started the church, and uh, we hadn't quite gotten to Easter yet, and uh, like it was our lowest attended Sunday for a long time, uh, Maple Sunday was, and we were like, man, Maple Sunday is a big deal. I... We had forgot something at the house, forgotten something at the house this morning, and so I had to had to run home like about eight thirty, eight forty-five. I'm on my way home, and and like I drive right past Maryfield Farms to get home, and I am now all of a sudden like trying to detour to get home. In my mind already, I'm like, how can I get around? That place is a mess. So, um, but not as messy as it was last year. We went after church last year, and it was a muddy, sloppy mess. And at least this year they have snow to cover that up. So, um, anyway, uh, thank you so much for being here. We're so glad that you're here with us again. It is a joy to have you. I want to I want to highlight something real quick that Kanye said in our announcements this morning, and that was um, we're going through a transition where um, in the past what we've done is we've had this process called on ramp, where we would ask everyone that we're going to serve in our church to go through this on-ramp process so that they knew kind of what they were getting themselves into. One of the things that we've learned is that um, it's hard in Maine to, to give someone an ultimatum and saying, hey, if you do this, then you can do this. And we want to kind of adjust to the culture that, that, that we've been called to. And so we're doing something that I like calling putting the cookies on the bottom shelf where everyone can, list, can, can reach them. And, and the reason we call it that, and the reason I call it that, is because I believe that serving in the church is the absolute sweetest spot that you can be. Because it's where you find your fulfillment. It's where you find all the reward. It's where you get fat and sassy. It's all of it. Like, it is, it is the best place for you to be. Because it's so sweet. And so what we want you to do is we, we, or we want to do is we want to take the cookies, the sweetest spot of the church, and put them on the bottom shelf where everyone can reach them. And so um, if you're here and you're like, you know, I have something to offer this church, then hallelujah, let's get you connected to someone that can help you get plugged in to where you are being used and experiencing the sweet spot. And then we're taking what's, no, what's been known as on-ramp, we're changing it up a little bit, and we're calling it My Refuge. And because we're changing it up, then we're, everyone's back to square one when it comes to My Refuge. Um, so we want everyone to go through My Refuge so that the reason why we're calling it My Refuge is because we want the Refuge Church to become yours. We want to give you ownership. And the way that you can experience ownership at the Refuge Church is by going through my refuge. Now, some of you, the Refuge Church is yours, and it has been yours for a very long time, and you're exactly right. We're probably not going to tell you a whole lot that you need to know in my refuge, but because it's new 
And because you believe in what we're doing and you believe what Jesus is doing here, we're going to ask you to go through that and just make the Refuge Church yours. And we, we are excited about this transition. Transitions scare me. Uh, they scare me a lot when it comes to uh, church planting. But uh, let me tell you, putting the cookies on the bottom shelf is the best thing for us to do. And so that's what, that's what we're going to do. So something else that Tanya said in her announcement is that 82% of all people that are invited to Easter will come. 82%. That's a lot of people that will come to Easter service if you invite them to Easter. But the problem is, is that only 2% of churchgoers will actually invite them to go. There's, that's, a, that's a big discrepancy. And so what happens is the church is missing out on a lot of people that would come to church to hear about Jesus. Let's, let's be honest. It's not about the church. It's about Jesus. It's, it's about giving them an invitation to hear about Jesus. And so that's why you invite people to church. It's not about the refuge church. They could go to another church and find about Jesus and be okay. We're completely okay with that. It's not about our empire. It's about God's kingdom. So invite someone to church. Invite someone to Easter next Sunday. And uh, I believe that we'll see a, a lot of new faces. This last week I was... I was leaving the gym on one of the days that I actually went, and um, that was kind of funny. And as I was leaving, my, my trainer said to me, hey, Adam, I got a question for you. I said, yeah, what's up, Sam? And he said, what's the name of your church again? And I said, it's the Refuge Church. He said, where do you meet at? I said, Wyndham High School at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, every Sunday. And he goes, okay, my wife and I were talking about Easter last night. And so then we started talking about churches, and I said, I'm going to ask Adam about it. And so if people know that you go to church, if people know you go to church, then this time of year is, is the time that they're going to ask you about your church. So tell them. Th- this, this week, it's, it's called Holy Week because of what Jesus did, obviously. But because it's called Holy Week, people are interested and what I learned this morning at 8.45 when I had to go home to get those bulletin, those um, worship guides, what I learned was that people have things that they're looking to do on Sunday morning. So much so that they'll go drink syrup on Sunday morning because they're looking for something to do. So invite them and they'll come. And when they come, they will find people that love them. They will find people that want to do life with them. They will find people that will point them to Jesus, that will tell them that when he is their refuge, that they never have to be overwhelmed by the storms of life. So, now I can preach. We are in a series wrapping up called uh, The Key to Everything. It's called The Key to Everything because we're talking about Teachability. What we've said is that um, the key to everything in life is being teachable. In week one, we talked about how desire plus willingness shape our teachability. Um, so you, with anything in life, you have to 
You have to want it, and you have to be willing to do it. The second week, we talked about some roadblocks that come with teachability. We said that um, the things that, that prevent us from de- being teachable are things like insecurity, uh, fear, pride, pain, and pace. All five of those things can tend to get in the way of us being teachable. Last week, we talked about the characteristics of people that are teachable And those were uh, an insatiable desire to learn and grow, an appropriate view of success, an openness to feedback, and a flexible approach to life, as well as an ability to handle failure failure well. I said it better last week, and if you want proof, you can go on our our website, refugemain.church, and you can listen to that sermon from last week. and, uh, or you can go to iTunes if you're a podcast person. Go to iTunes. Make sure you've got a long car ride because it was a long talk. I apologize for that once again. Uh, but uh, make sure you, if, if you have, I mean, if you're going down to Boston for the day, download that podcast. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, was, it wasn't that long. But. Um, also, if you want to follow along with us today, uh, you can follow along with today's notes in the Version Bible app. And all of our notes are are right there. Today's message on teachability is the last one. We're talking about living a lifestyle of teachability. Living a lifestyle of teachability. I don't want to give you, uh, I don't want to give you a a, a long checklist today of things that you can can do in order to live your lifestyle of teachability. Um, I want to talk to you why. I want to talk to you about why we have a lifestyle of teachability, why we talk about teachability in church, why it matters when it comes to the gospel, and why it comes to a life with Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you for, for these people that have come to hear your word today. Lord, I tell myself every morning that I get up here and I look myself in the mirror that they didn't come to hear me. They came to hear from you. They came to hear from your word. So God, I I pray this morning that you would empower me with your Holy Spirit, that you would anoint me. Father, that you would look down and approve of everything that I have to say. If there's anything that I plan to say that is not true, Lord, I pray that you would remove it from my thoughts, remove it from my mind. Father, I pray that everything that I say would be said with love, that it would be said with truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This past week, uh, I was visiting a, a, with a couple from our dream team that I, I love dearly. I love this couple so much. And... Um, they, they, were, they were asking me some questions about teachability. And in particularly, like, why we're talking about it in church. Because let's be honest, teachability is something that you probably hear in your workplace. You probably hear, especially if you're in upper management. It's probably something that your bosses really hope that you have. Really hope that you possess. And so, when we talk about teachability... In the church and in the context of the church, I, I thought of a, 
a couple reasons why we talk about teachability in church. I want to give those to you just now, but but also I want to spend the rest of our time talking about what we find when we seek Jesus with teachability. So um, the first thing that I found and the reason that we talk about teachability is because I believe that the church should exist to help you know Jesus more. That's, that's like our, that's our goal, right? That's why we do what we do is to point you to Jesus and to, to get you closer to him. And if you're offended by Jesus this morning and you've found your way into church and you're going, oh my goodness, this is one of those churches. Yeah, you're right. It is one of those churches. I apologize. I don't apologize for that because we believe that Jesus makes all the difference. And if you, if you don't, then we ask you just to be teachable, right? And to allow us to show you that Jesus does make all the difference. And so, number one, the church exists to point people to Jesus and to make, to, to help them know him more. But number two, the church exists to make you better. Like, if, if, if you're not improving your life by coming to the refuge, then I'm wasting your time. So I believe that the things that we, that we talk about are things that will make you better as a person, as a human being, ultimately as a follower of Jesus, because that's what we desire. That's our, that's, that's our goal, is to point people to Jesus. And so, number three is we want to be the glue that brings those two things together. We want to be the glue that brings your knowledge and, and growing and knowing Jesus more. And to collide it and to make it stick to you being a better person. Because we know that when we know Jesus more, that we become better at what we do as human beings. He makes everything better. So that's, that's why we talk about teachability. And so, quickly, to, to quickly summarize why, uh, to even further, is because we, we want you to know Jesus and we care about you. We care about you. When we're teachable, we're open to fully seeking Jesus, no matter what our background no matter what our beliefs were growing up, no matter what our family believed growing up, no matter what religion our family was, no matter what our past has, has experienced has shown us, we're able to be teachable when it comes to Jesus because we have a teachable spirit. Teachability is founded or is foundational for growing. In everything we do, not just not just Jesus. So if you take teachability, and, and, and I'll go a little, a little radical for a moment. If I'm willing to learn about other faiths, then my teachability will show me that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by him. But I have to be, and, and, and so, so is it about being open-minded? It is, but it's about knowing what you believe and why you believe it. That's what teachability does. So teachability is foundational for growth in everything. In, in, in our context, teachability is foundational for the growth of knowing Jesus. 
Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 and 14. And the Holman Christian Standard Bible says this. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all my heart. Verse 14 at the beginning says, I will be found by you. This is the Lord's direction. Uh, declaration, I'm sorry. This verse presents us the, the principle of seeking. I love the principle of seeking because the principle of seeking says that the more I seek, the more I find. The more I seek, the more I find. And I believe that there are people in this room today that are seeking something. You're here because you're looking for something. You don't know what it is. But we just read that when you seek me, you will find me. We believe that when you seek Jesus, you will find Jesus. Hopefully you're here because you're seeking him. The principle of seeking. It applies to everything. The more I seek, the more I find applies to everything. Um, some things that are good and some things that are bad. Shortly after I graduated high school, I went through um, a phase of my life that I like to call the wild oats years. Come on, somebody. We all been there, right? The wild oats years. I did some things shortly after high school. My dad was a pastor growing up. Um, I was a deacon in his church at the age of 18. Um, and a deacon is just a, a traditional word for saying a leader in his church. And um, there was, I mean, I, I taught kids in, in, in uh, kids' church, and I did, I did a lot for my dad's church. And um, by the time I, w I graduated, my dad was no longer the pastor of that church, thank God, because I would have done some things to get fired, if you know what I'm saying. And um, I went through a phase where I, I decided to sow my wild oats, and um, from that point, I went on to, to Bible college, uh, traditional uh, Bible school called Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. And um, they had a lot, of, a lot of rules to help students from sowing their wild oats. Isn't that funny? Um, a college trying to keep kids from sowing their wild oats. Um, and, and there were kids. Not, I'm not saying that every kid sows wild oats, but I did. And um, what I quickly learned when I went to Bible college is, is that if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find some trouble. If you're looking for good, you're going to find good. It's the principle of seeking. Whatever you seek, you find. When you seek good, you find good. When you seek bad, you find bad. principle of seeking says if you seek something you can and will find it teachability is all about seeking our goal is for you to take teachability and have a teachable spirit and apply it to Jesus so that you're you living a lifestyle of teachability will point you to seeking Jesus more. That's our goal. What makes 
or breaks our teachability is, in my opinion, is the one that we seek. When we seek Jesus, who is the one, we find the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except by him. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. That is why when we talk about teachability at church, because we believe Jesus makes all the difference. That's why we talk about him. And so, today, I want to look at a passage in the book of John chapter 12. And um, I want to look at, at just three things as far as um, what we find when we fully seek Jesus with a teachable spirit. Can I do that? Can I do that? Just shake your head just up and down just so I know you're still with me. I didn't put you to sleep yet. John chapter 12. Um, we find one of my favorite Bible stories in all of Scripture. John chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to read verse 1. Through verse 7. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany in the home of Lazarus, the man that he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Come on, how cool is that? The guy that was dead is about to eat this, this meal with Jesus and these, these ladies that are with him, which are his sisters, but... How cool is that? The guy was dead just a few days ago. Then Mary took the 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. Nard, not lard. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance. I can't imagine but to think, I wonder what that smelled like. The smell of the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold in the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of disciples' money... He often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The first thing that we see when we seek Jesus with a teachable spirit, and this, this is going to take some connecting, but the first thing is we, we see, we find a teacher. We find a teacher. One of the most important things when it comes to our teachability is knowing who to listen to. Knowing who is going to teach you. Knowing who you will allow to teach you. I want you to know this morning that Jesus was the greatest teacher to ever live. And when we seek him, he teaches us. Especially when we seek him with a teachable spirit. In his book, The Key to Everything, Matt Keller says, we have to determine how we will define the word teacher. We have to define how we will define the word teacher. I would, go as, I would take it a step further and say we need to define who we will allow to be our teacher. As a parent, as a parent, this is one of my biggest 
fears for my kids is who they will allow to be their teacher. Because God knows that I allowed some people to teach me as a junior high student, that some, and they taught me some things that I had no business learning at that age. So as a parent, it's one of my biggest fears that they would, uh, who my kids allow to teach them. Because let's be honest, in our culture that we live in, in our screen generation, there are a lot of teachers out there. And they're not always people. I just, I was just brainstorming the other day and some things that I came up with that teach us are culture, media, God, please help me not to teach us. Music, friends, God's word teaches us. Parents teach us. YouTube teaches us. YouTube teaches us everything. How to change your car? How to change your brakes in your car? Look it up on YouTube. Pastors, books, mentors. So the question is, what are you going to allow to teach you in your life? In John chapter 12, verse 34 through 36, so jump down in the same, same chapter, it says, The crowd responded, We understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say that the Son of Man will die? Just who is the Son of Man anyway? Jesus replied, My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in darkness cannot see where they are going. Verse 36, put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. Now we skipped some events that we're going to look at in just a few moments to get to verse 34. But... It's so important what we find here because we find a crowd of people gathered around Jesus and they're saying this. They're saying, we thought that the Son of Man would live forever. We thought that the Messiah would live forever. But you're telling us that, that he's going to die. Just, just who is this man anyway? And then Jesus points him to, and he still doesn't really answer the question. He doesn't say, well, I am your knucklehead. That's what I would have said. But he says... I'm the light, and I've come to shine in this darkness, and that when you trust me, you will become children of the light. I love that, that verbiage that Jesus uses, children of the light, because what he's saying is you will become like children. Ladies and gentlemen, I have not met a child that has it all figured out. When you come and you put your trust in Jesus, especially for the first time, you don't have to have it all figured out. You're not coming and embracing him saying, yes, finally, I've, I've finally figured it out. In fact, the fact of the matter is, when you embrace Jesus for the first time, you probably, there's probably a lot you don't have figured out. And so you embrace him so that he can become your teacher. So that he can show you and help you figure it out. And so he calls them children of light because he says, I want to be your teacher. I want to teach you. I believe that if Jesus were standing here today, he would just be saying, I want to teach you. 
We've all heard that saying. You can live and learn, or you can, wait, you can listen and learn, or you can live and learn. I was going to point to you, I had it all figured out in my head, I was going to point to you and say you're going you're gonna to respond, and it just messed all that up. I'm not perfect. I always call myself out too. So you can listen and learn, or you can live and learn. What we're saying there is that life can teach you, or wisdom can teach you. And that's the second thing that we find when we seek Jesus with our teachability. First, we find a teacher. Second, we find wisdom. We find wisdom. Now, we go back to our story to Mary and her alabaster jar of perfume that she takes, her expensive perfume, and she breaks it at Jesus' feet. And we find Jesus, or Judas, who asks a question in verse 5. That perfume was worth a year's wage. Sorry, he doesn't ask a question. He condemns her. That perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold, and the money should have been given to the poor. When we worship Jesus, there will be people that question our actions. When we worship Jesus, there will be people that question what we're doing. And some of those concerns may seem legitimate. But we all know where Judas's heart was. His heart wasn't for the poor. He said it was. But his heart was what was in it for him. He could have gotten that money. And look what Jesus says. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you. But you will not always have me. Jesus' response points to the idea that Mary somehow, or Mary knew something that Judas did not. And that was that Jesus wasn't always going to be there physically. This is wisdom. Mary had wisdom that Judas did not. So the question is, why? Why did Mary have wisdom that Judas did not have? The Webster Dictionary uh, definition of the word wisdom is simply this. The ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. The ability to discern inner qualities and relationships, also known as good insight. Mary had wisdom that Judas did not because she was closer to Jesus than Judas was. In John chapter 12, verse 44 through 50, so a little further down, it says, Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. Verse 46. I have come as a light to shine in the dark in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in dark. I will not judge those who hear me but but don't obey me for I have come to save the world and not judge it. This is Jesus that's speaking. And so many times we say that Jesus is judge. 
Jesus says right here, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Verse 48, but all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth that I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father, the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know this command, uh, I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells tells me to say. Seeking Jesus leads to finding wisdom. And that wisdom tells us that when we seek Jesus, we find his Father. We find our Father. And the key to everything, Matt Keller says, every decision suffers when it is made without wisdom. Every decision suffers when it is made without wisdom. Asking ourselves the question, Andy Stanley wrote a book about the most important question, and the most important question is, what is the wise decision? When our teachability leads us to wisdom, it tells us that other people have something to offer as well. When we're teachable and we look at other people and, and, and we take some of the principles that we talked about last Sunday and we apply them to this, we look at people and we say, they have something to offer me and I can grow in my understanding of Jesus because of what they have, but also I have something to offer them. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what I call discipleship. When people... Are, are getting together and learning from each other and gaining wisdom from each other. And someone who's, who's far more wise than I am is pouring into me. And someone that's less wise than I am, I'm pouring into them. That is discipleship. That's why we talk about teachability. Discipleship is sharing the wisdom that God has given you and giving it to someone else. And allowing someone else to take the wisdom that God has given them and give it to you. Finally, the third thing that we find when we seek Jesus with the teachable spirit is we find victory. Victory. This is Palm Sunday. John 12, verse 12 through 19. It just so happened that the same scripture that God had given me to talk about seeking Jesus in this beautiful picture of this woman with the alabaster jar that comes and breaks it at his feet in this act of worship and seeking, it just so happens that the very next thing that happens is John chapter 12, verse 12 through 19. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road and they shouted, Praise God, also known as Hosanna. Praise God, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and he rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was the fulfillment of the prophecy. But after Jesus entered into the glory, entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him 
Many in the crowd had seen Jesus calling Lazarus from the tomb, rising, raising him from the dead. And they were telling others about it in verse 18. That was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. This is the day we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem where people got palm branches and they, they waved at his feet and they dropped them at his feet and they said, Hosanna, praise God, glory in the highest. Our king is here. But ladies and gentlemen, it is not the triumphal entry of Jesus that saves us. If Jesus were to disappear at that moment, then no hope would be found in him. It's not the entry into Jerusalem that saves us. It's what he did next week that we will talk about. It's that he died and that he rose again to give us victory. And when we seek him with a teachable spirit, we will find a teacher that loves us. We will find wisdom. And we will find victory. I don't know about you. I don't know if you're defeated this morning. But I want you, I want, I want nothing else than for you to find victory in Jesus. This past week, while I was studying, um, I know it's, it's crazy, but if I could get the musicians to come up, I'm, I'm going to wrap this thing up. I was told to make it shorter this morning, so I did my best. This past week, as I was, as I was studying, um, I had this habit of, of while, I'm, while I'm studying, to... Um, to put headphones on. Um, there could be no, no one else in the room, and I'll, I'll put headphones on to, to listen to music so I can just focus. And for some reason, the music mood that I was in was um, I just wanted a, a soft female vocal to listen to. And um, I, I remembered a, a, a young worship artist that I would like to listen to by the name of Terry Job. Um, some of you guys are some Terry Job fans, and she's got a beautiful voice. You can find her on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Pandora, whatever your listening choice is. But I'm listening to, to Carrie Job, and while I was studying about teacher, teachability, this, this song came on. And it's a song that's called, The More I Seek You. I just want to read the lyrics to you. It says, the more I seek you, the more I find you. Once again, it's the principle of seeking, right? The more I seek, the more I find. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. I want to sit at your feet. Drink from the cup in your hand. Lay back against you and breathe and feel your heartbeat. 
This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming. And for some reason, every time that I've ever heard that song, I picture, I picture someone going to Jesus and just dropping to their knees. And I picture this woman with this alabaster jar breaking it at Jesus' feet with this incredible act of love and seeking it. And so I thought about Mary and her alabaster jar as I'm hearing this song, The More I Seek You, as I'm studying teachability. And then I go to John chapter 12 and I discover that this is the very event that happened right before Jesus' triumphal entry. And I'm going, God, that's it. The more I seek you, the more I find you, the more I find you, the more I love you. That's why we spend four weeks talking about teachability. Because there's nothing more than I want than to know Jesus and to love him. And that's what I want for me. And if I can get you to fall in love with Jesus like that, then I promise you, I promise you, your life will be different. Do me a favor, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want nothing more than for you to know Jesus this morning. I can't help but to think that this week would be the most appropriate time for you to come to know him. This week, we're going to celebrate the time that, that Jesus went to a cross. He took on our sin. He took on our shame. And he died a brutal death, one that only he could do, one that he only he could pay. But then he rose from the dead, coming back to life to give us hope, to give us victory, to give us wisdom to give us the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us, that heals us. I can't help but to believe that there's no better time than for you to, to just say, you know what, I don't have it figured out. But I need to embrace the one that does. So, I'm going to ask you to make a bold, do something bold. The most rewards that I've found in life was when I did something that was bold.
It required courage. It required faith. So I want to ask you to do something pretty bold this morning. It's not, it's not too bold. Everyone's got their heads bowed and their eyes closed. But if you're here and you say, Pastor Adam, I, it's time. I, I know I don't have it all figured out. But I want to embrace Jesus because I, I believe that he died. Because I believe that he died. He rose again. So that I could figure it out. Is there anyone that would be bold enough to raise your hand and say, I want that this morning? Anybody? Anybody at all? Thank you. Anybody else? If you raise your hand this morning, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. And then after you say this prayer with me, I want to ask you to take that card and to do bold act number two. Write your name on it. And right next to your name, there's a place that says, I'm committing to follow Jesus for the first time. Take that, make that mark. Take it and give it to our dream team at Guest Central or put it in the black boxes before you leave. Just say this prayer with me. Say, God, I know I've done wrong. And I know because I've done wrong, I, I need you. And God, I don't have it all figured out. But I believe you do. So God, I ask best way that I know how for you to come into my life and save me. Help me to live for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you would, stand with me. Stand with me. Give God a hand for what he's done today. Yeah. We're going to sing a song, and we're going to let you out on time today.